Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Brantley Johnson. I am the executive pastor here at Momentum Church. And uh, whew, I'm, I don't know why I'm nervous for this, for this service. I wasn't nervous in the first one, but the Lord must be ready to do something. And we're just going to trust that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, so that's going to be good. But um, we, got, hey, we got Thanksgiving right around the corner. Uh, anybody excited for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah, for me, one of my favorite things is going to be the food, obviously. You know, some people be like, family is my favorite thing. I mean, yeah, I love my family, but food, awesome. Yeah, so I figured this morning um, to properly get us started, I could go ahead and get us started with a fight. Um, anybody willing to raise your hand and say, on Thanksgiving, I do not want turkey? Anybody? Oh, wow, man, a lot of you. Well, that'll be fun. I hope you all all fight after service and... Um, I love turkey. Here's the thing. For me, uh, if I come over to your house for dinner, uh, one of the biggest compliments that I could give you is if I ask for seconds, um, because I don't get seconds too often. Uh, I just don't. So if I'm asking for seconds, whatever you did was so incredible that I have stepped outside of my norm, and I'm going to ask for it, right? But here's the thing. Like, people don't ask for seconds of things that were terrible, right? Like, you might want a second chance. Like, you might want a do-over. <laughs> But you're not asking for seconds of something that was terrible. And, and, and I'm not even talking about like just food. I'm talking about experiences. Uh, so for me, one of the things that I will never ask for seconds of, and I already know that I've offended half of you by saying this, uh, is I, I don't want seconds of fishing. Um, I just don't. Here's the thing. Like, okay, so my wife passed uh, about two months ago, and people have been asking, like, to do things with me, you know, and, uh, you know, hey, we'll take you to do this or that, and some people have suggested fishing, and I'm like, no, nah, dog, I, I don't, I, I have zero desire to go fishing ever again. Um, because here's the thing, whenever I take you fishing, or whenever you take me fishing, not only am I not going to catch anything, you're not going to catch anything either. <laughs> Fish see me coming from, like, a mile away. They do. It's bad. It's really bad. I actually had a guy um, one time. I, I, I hope I'm not making this part up. I'm pretty sure he was like, at one point in his life, a professional fisherman. Um, I could be totally wrong on that, but it makes the story better anyway. So <laughs> we're just going to roll with it. He was a professional fisherman, world class. Um, so we're just going to stretch it as big as we can now. <laughs> so uh, his family and ours, we end up going down to Panama City Beach uh, several years ago. And he said, look, I know you're a terrible fisherman. And I'm like, I received that, thank you. And he said, I know you're a terrible fisherman, but I'm going to teach you how to fish. And we're going to go catch some fish. I know exactly where to go, where we can catch some fish. Now, keep in mind, this is April, okay? It's April. The water is like 12 degrees. And he's like, we're going to wade out into the water. I'm like, red flag number one. No, this is not, this is not a thing for me. But we do it anyway because I'm going to learn how to fish. And so we wade out into this freezing water and up to our stomachs, and we're out there casting, casting, casting for like, I don't know, an hour and a half or something. We don't catch nothing. And he's like, okay, wait, 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 wait. But really, though, I have a place you are guaranteed to catch fish. And so I think it's called a jetty. I had some smart people in first service say that that was accurate. And so we get out on this jetty. It's where like these giant boulders go way out into the ocean. And we arrive and I see people all along this thing. It goes way out. There's people all along. And as soon as they cast, they're pulling in fish. And I'm like, okay, hope. All right, we've got it. Let's go ahead and, and get out there. And so we find our spot on the rocks super precariously, but 
we're doing it. And people all over the place. We find our spot. There's people over here catching big fish. Just as soon as they cast in, they're pulling fish out. Over here, people catching big fish. Behind us, people are like cheering because they're catching so many fish. <laughs> like, okay, we got this. So we start casting, 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 casting. We don't catch nothing. It, guys, I'm not joking. It was so bad. There were raccoons in the rocks. They came out and took our bait. They were like, bro, you don't even need this. Everybody else needs this, but you don't. Look, that's why I don't go fishing anymore. The raccoons know how bad I am, okay? So I don't want seconds of that in my life. Nobody wants seconds of things that are terrible in life, right? But whenever you have something incredible, mm, that, that's whenever you're like, yeah, I want, I want more of that. I want more. And, and for you, you know, and it's not, like I said, it's not just food, it's experiences, right? And so, like, for you, maybe that's the job that you had, right? Where it's like, dude, I had the most incredible hours. I couldn't have asked for anything better. They're constantly flexible with me. I had the most incredible boss. Uh, he, he was so good, knows how to lead people and, and help, and he cares about others, and it's just awesome. And you had the, the most outstanding pay, and you're like, whoo, I ain't never made money like this before. And then all of a sudden, it's gone. Maybe you owned that business, right? And things, you've been working blood, sweat, and tears for a long time. You own that business, and, and it, it, it feels like it's finally starting to gain some traction when all of a sudden, you know, that lawsuit comes out of nowhere that you just did not expect. Now, all of a sudden, the business that you've been working so hard for and have loved for years is now gone. You're filing for bankruptcy, whatever it is, it's gone. Lots of different scenarios can play out like that. Maybe for you it's relationally, you know, like it is for me. My wife passed two months ago. <laughs> Married for 16 and a half years, and I'll tell you, 14 and a half of those were awesome. <laughs> Some of y'all will catch up to that joke. <laughs> our first two years, look, our first two years of marriage, they were awful, okay? Like, they were super bad, okay? I, I don't even understand how we did it. But, I mean, our first two years, like, if you were to talk to anybody, they would have been like, according to world logic, y'all don't need to be together. <laughs> On a scale of one to opposite, y'all passed that. Right? It was bad. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. But then, I'll tell you what happened, though. What happened was we were committed to our commitment that we made. We were committed to communication. Can I tell you something? Whenever you are committed to the commitment that you make, and whenever you're committed to learning how to communicate with somebody, you can take something that according to the world logic will not make sense and will not work, and you can turn that into 16 and a half years. Well, I can honestly tell you, at the end of that 16 and a half years, I thought, now I understand what love is. See, on our wedding day, I thought I knew what love was. 16 and a half years later of dedication and commitment, now I know what love is. And this sermon was birthed out of that place. When my wife passes, and I'm just sitting there praying, 
I'm like, Lord, she was pretty incredible, <laughs> you know? She was an incredible wife. She was an incredible mom. And now it feels like my world is dashed to pieces. God, how do I move forward from here? And I feel like this message isn't just for people that have lost a loved one in this room. This is for people you're looking for a second chapter in whatever it is in life. And I'll tell you, whenever I'm sitting there with the Lord just praying and crying, I just felt like the Lord just gave me such a sweet message of hope. Conspicuous hope. And I believe it's not just for me, but it's for all of you in this room, all of you online watching. It's a message of hope. And, and here's the thing that... I. I hate that I even have to put a disclaimer on this message, but I do because there's jacked up people. I need you to understand this message of hope is not, if you interpret it as me saying, I'm, I'm looking forward to kicking my wife out so that I can walk into something better, you're 110% wrong. 110% wrong. If I had a choice in the matter, she wouldn't be dead. But I didn't get a choice. I just respond to whatever's in front of me now. And, you know, y'all pay me because I'm the most blunt person on staff. <laughs> I mean, whenever you're faced with loss in life, loss of something that's really incredible, Loss of something that you thought, that, I don't know how it gets better than this. When you're faced with tragedy and loss in your life, it can only go one of three ways. There are no other options. You have no other options. And if you've been living in some delusional world where you're trying to figure out how to make everybody happy, it doesn't work. I'm going to just tell you that. But your three options are, from here, it gets worse from here, it can get to about the same level, or it can get better. Those are your only three options. You got no other options. And here's what I believe. I believe that I serve a God that is not interested in option number one. I don't believe that the Lord has brought you into this space so that your life can get worse from this point on. I don't think he wants you to be a miserable servant for the rest of your life, just doing his will begrudgingly and hating everything that he is designed to be so beautiful and enjoyed while you're on this planet, while you're accomplishing the mission. I don't think he wants you to be a miserable servant and then die. Are times hard? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that it's got to get worse before you get to heaven. I just don't believe that. Which only leaves two other options. We can get to this place, this space where, man, we've achieved something that is equivalent. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the same. It will not ever be the same. But can it be equivalent in blessed nature? Absolutely. Whenever God gets a hold of something, can it be better? Absolutely. Better than what you ever possibly dreamed of. Better than what you possibly imagined. You weren't looking for this, but now you're here. Make a decision. And that's kind of where this sermon was birthed.
I, um, I was praying a few days, like I said, after she passed. And I was just like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand how, how I can move forward. She was dang incredible. It can only get worse from here. That's what was, that's what was in my head. I'm going to just be honest. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to remember what I taught you several years ago. I, what, what's crazy is, is this message actually got started several years ago. I was reading in Genesis, and I found this super cool like theme that I started seeing all throughout Scripture, and I started pursuing it and researching it, and I didn't even understand. I was like, dang, this is going to be an awesome message one day, and I never did anything with it. I, I just had all of this information, and then I felt like the Lord was saying to me in that moment, he said, look, I don't want you to forget what I taught you several years ago about the second in Scripture. The second now, here's the, here's the thing that, that we have to understand. In Scripture, culturally, the first in Scripture was always the best. It was always the most blessed. It, that's how it was supposed to be. According to their culture, the first was always supposed to be the best and most blessed. However, the Lord does some really interesting things in Scripture and, and if I had a second title to this, that would be probably more poetic. It would be called Conspicuous Hope. I can't, I can't tell you that this is a promise from God over everybody's life. I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't tell you that it's a promise. What I can tell you is the Lord is so specific. This did not go as an unintentional theme throughout Scripture. Whenever you're faced with tragedy, when you're faced with loss of some kind, and you're thinking to yourself, how could it possibly go anywhere but down from here? I, I think the Lord wants you to know that, that he designed the second. You might be walking into a second chapter, and this sermon is for you. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis 2.18. We're going to start out by talking about um, the first helper all right, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a, everybody say helper. Helper, helper suitable for him. Now, here's the thing. Let's, let's not get caught up on the fact that it was man first, okay? There, there, was a, there was a human being that he created, all right? That human being was perfect, but to accomplish the mission on this planet, that man needed a wife. He did. And the Lord said, look, whenever I put Adam and woman together, because that was her name originally, when I put them together, now all of a sudden I have that perfect creation that can handle the mission and purpose that I have assigned for their life. And so he makes a helper suitable for him. He brings her to him and calls her woman. Now, they need each other because they both have been tasked with the mission and purpose to cultivate the garden, to rule and reign on the earth, to subdue every living thing on the earth. That was their mission. That was their purpose. And so he found a helper, and he made a helper that was suitable for each other. Now, beyond that, they decided to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And whenever they did that, sin came into the world. Darkness, tragedy, chaos, all came into the world. Sadness, crying, pain, all came into the world. And the Lord said, all right, here we go. The first was a perfect creation. Do you understand the first was a perfect creation? 
Adam and Eve together were a perfect creation. Whenever sin came in, now it's not the same. Tragedy was entered in, loss happened to them. Now what happens? It can only go downhill from here until the second helper is introduced. Go to John 15, 26 for me. Check this out. Look, word for word, every word in scripture is God breathed. I hope you understand that. Every word is God breathed. Jesus, whenever he's speaking here, is not choosing these words by accident. Look at what he says. When what, ha- when what comes? The helper. It's the second helper. Why? Because in order to return to, to, to something that is not going downhill fast, right? In, in order for them to accomplish their mission and purpose on this earth, in order for us to accomplish the mission and purpose that the Lord has designed for us, we need something beyond ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit of God to step in in a moment, and provide the power and authority through the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus so that we can move forward and take back the territory that the enemy has taken from us. When the helper comes, let's roll through some stuff. We got Adam, and this is going to mess with some of y'all, and I can't wait to watch your faces. (laughs) Put Luke 338 up there for me. So this is the genealogy of Jesus. Now these aren't my words, right? This is straight out of scripture. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Wait a second, I thought Jesus was the son of God. Well, he is. Yeah, Jesus is the son of God. But if Adam was also the son of God, then that would make Adam the first one, the first son of God on the planet. It was Jesus. It's the second son of God. Put up 1 Corinthians for me. 1545. It's kind of reiterated here. So also it is written, the first man, look at the first, right? The first man, Adam, became a living person. The last Adam, some translations would say, the second Adam was a life-giving spirit. It's Jesus. Boy, that's weird. None of this is accidental, guys. It's not accidental. Let's look at the first king of Israel versus the second king. All right, first King Saul, he did some good stuff, right? Helped save, their, helped save their nation. David came along, and he's listed as a man after God's own heart. Job, and this one, ugh. I don't, I don't enjoy reading Job. I just don't like it. I knew it was going to be a rough year last year whenever I started January reading Job. I was like, perfect, thank you, Lord. Everybody else is getting like words of discipline and respect and honor. And I'm like, Job, awesome. Let's, let's do this one, Lord. Job. Man, Job is a wealthy, wealthy man. Not only is he wealthy, but he's also wealthy relationally. He's got seven sons and daughters combined. Um, I mean, like, and, and in the world of children, for them, like, that's awesome, you know? He's, he's sitting here going, I've got all the wealth I could need. I've got relational wealth. I'm doing good, right? I fear the Lord. I love God. I'm giving him everything I've got. And then one day, the Lord agrees, all right, take everything away and see what happens. And then his family's all gone, just like that. 
dude, that, that sucks. And yeah, I get Job, Job 42, 12 through 13, all of the wealth and, and riches and everything, all of the property that he had lost, his family, it's all restored to him. And, and he actually has more. He increases in his wealth. The seven sons and daughters that he lost, he got seven more sons and daughters. But the seven sons and daughters that he had originally that he loved and cared about, they're gone still. And I, you can't tell me that, that if he had the choice originally to say, yeah, I'll give up my seven sons and daughters so that I can have something else in the future. You can't tell me that's the thought that he had. If he had the choice, he'd be like, God, I'm good. I'm good right here like this. I love my family. I love what I've got. I'm content, Lord. I'm content following you. He wouldn't have given that up. But when you're faced with tragedy and loss, you don't get any other option but to move forward from here. We don't get that option. And you know what? The second chapter of Job's life was even more blessed than the first. Let's cruise through a few here. Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, gave up his birthright, gave up his blessing. Uh, Jacob stole the blessing from uh, Esau. And, and you got to keep in mind, it was already prophesied that Jacob was going to get the blessing. He just went around God's will to go get it, right? He did it wrong, but he still ended up more blessed than Esau. Uh, Leah and Rachel. Rachel was beautiful. She was profitable. She worked hard. Leah needed work. <laughs> Rachel was more blessed. But here's, here's what the cool part. Here's the cool part about both of those stories, Esau and Jacob, Leah and Rachel, where, where it looked like Jacob and Rachel were the more blessed ones, right? Esau has this moment where he's talking with his dad, and he's like, Dad, don't you have anything that you can bless me with? And, and the dad is like, I don't. I've already given, you, I've already given all, of the, all of my possessions. I've given all of the blessing to Jacob. I've already prophesied blessing over him. But here's the coolest part. He says, but when you get tired of it enough, you'll walk in blessing too. And the second half of your life can be even more blessed than the first half. And we see whenever Esau and Jacob are reunited, Jacob tries to give him stuff and Esau's like, bro, I don't need none of your stuff. I, I, I'm so blessed right now. I don't need nothing from you. You see, Leah and Rachel, right? Originally, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. By the end of their life, it says that Jacob loved Leah more than Rachel. She had more children than him. She experienced greater levels of relational intimacy with Jacob in the second part of that marriage than the first part. Some of y'all need to hear this. Some of y'all married people need to hear this. Uh, some of y'all are going through some hard times relationally in your marriage. And I'm going to just prophesy right now to you, the second part of your marriage, the second chapter in your marriage, is going to be even better than the first one, where you said, my husband won't love me no more. He's going to love you more in the last days than the first, yeah. in Jesus' name. 
a lesser known Manasseh and Ephraim. These were Joseph's children. They go in, Joseph brings his two kids, Manasseh first, Ephraim second, into Israel, and he's like, all right, Dad, I need you to bless my children. So he puts Manasseh on Israel's right-hand side, and he puts Ephraim on the left-hand side. He says, okay, Dad, go ahead and bless my kids. Manasseh is supposed to be the firstborn. He gets the bigger blessing. That's why he's on his right side. And so then what, what, uh, what Israel does is he says, hey, I get how this is supposed to work. I've been doing this a little while. I get it, Right? But here's what I believe the Lord has me doing in this moment is actually I'm going to switch it. And he crosses his arms and he says, where you thought that the best was going to go on the first, the best is actually going to go on the second. You didn't ask for it. You weren't looking for it. But I'm here to tell you that where you thought the best came first, the best is actually coming second. Vashti and Esther. Some questionable cultural things here. Okay. I'm not going to deny that. Questionable cultural things. Vashti was supposed to be, she was the first queen. And, and she was supposed to have the honor and blessing in that scenario. But ultimately, she was kicked out and Esther was brought in. Esther found so much love and appreciation in the king's eyes, she ended up saving an entire nation. Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, that first prophet, Elisha was his apprentice. All right. Elijah did incredible miracles. Incredible miracles. But Elisha says, Elijah, I, I want a double portion of your spirit. It's not good enough that I, it's the same situation when you leave. That's not good enough for me and where I'm at. I don't want just the same. I want a double portion on my life. And what happens? Elisha gets it. First wine at the wedding. Let's go to John 2, 1 through 3. This one is the one that speaks to me the most. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. It's all gone. This was a key component to their celebration. Let's go to the next one. This is verse 10. The head waiter comes up to the groom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when the guests are drunk, then he serves the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Hmm. The reality that we have to look at this passage with, every single attendee at that wedding assumed they had already had the best that they were going to get. That's why you don't see in there, there was grumbling. Jesus had to turn water into wine. He had to make it better because the first was so bad. That's not it. Everybody there assumed we've already gotten the best that we could possibly get. Every person assumed that they'd already gotten the best. They're sitting there going, the wine has run out. I've already had the best in my life. How... How could it get any better from here? But then Jesus in a moment steps in and he does a miracle in that wedding that will resonate for all eternity in our hearts throughout the, throughout the courts of heaven. And he says, I know, I know you thought you had the best and it couldn't get any better than this. But just wait till Jesus gets involved. 
And he does a miracle beyond anything that you could have ever thought or imagined. That's the God I serve. We have the old covenant versus the new covenant. Exodus 32, Moses comes down the mountain. Uh, He's got the the first of the commandments. He's got the 10 commandments. And uh, he's just had an incredible encounter with God. He comes down the mountain with the the new laws. And and he finds them all worshiping golden calves. And and Moses gives the orders and 3,000 people are killed that day. Then we flash forward. Jesus comes. Uh, he, he dies on the cross, resurrects, sends his spirit to live within us. And the, the day of Pentecost arrives. And, and they're all filled and they're, they're preaching the gospel. And on that day, when the, when the new covenant is written on the tablets of their heart, 3,000 people are brought to life. That's what scripture says. First tabernacle. <clears throat> made of sheep skins or goat skins and all kinds of different stuff like that. And then you have the second temple that Solomon builds in honor of the Lord. And, and we know that, that the Lord blessed it because his Shekinah glory showed up in that place on the day that he, he prayed and blessed it and, and presented it to the Lord. The second temple, man, incredible. Third temple, not so much. Jacob ends up with a spiritual second. He has his name changed. We see where Jacob was a heel grabber. That's what his name meant. Heel grabber. Just constantly just trying to get, get, get. I just, I don't have enough. I need to get, I I need to get more. I, I just can't quite get it. And then he has an encounter with the Lord. And his name changes to Israel because he is fought with man and with God. And he's finally at a place in his life where he's ready to overcome. And he doesn't have to strive anymore. Saul in the New Testament has a name change. We don't know exactly where that name change happens, but at least as he is referred to throughout Scripture, um, as he is uh, making disciples and he's preaching the gospel, he is now referred to as Paul. We have the first and the second coming of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of scriptures that could talk about the first coming of Jesus, and it's pretty incredible, right? I picked Isaiah 53, but I mean, you could pick any number of scriptures. I just felt like that encapsulated a lot of what he did on his first coming. He came to fulfill the Old Testament. He came and, and took all of our sins to the cross, took every curse on his back, And it's by his stripes that we can receive healing today. He he died on the cross to make a way for us to go live with him eternally. That's pretty incredible, right? But gosh, John 14, one through three, at his second coming, whenever he, he comes to take us back, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. Because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again. I'm coming a second time. And I will take you to myself so that where I am, you also will be. I need you to understand Hebrew marriage practices the groom would go back to his father's house 
to go prepare a new space for the bride and groom to live. And it is culturally, uh, by Jewish scholars, agreed that that groom had to go make a place that was better than where the bride came from. He would evaluate where she was living, and he was not allowed to come back until he was sure, until the father was sure, I got a better place for them to go than where they're at right now. He's coming back, and I'm going to tell you the second coming, as good as the first coming of Jesus was, and all that it gave us access to, it's not going to compare to the second. The first heaven and earth versus the new heaven and earth. Uh, this ties into Jesus coming back. Whew. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will dwell among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. I'm just telling you there's something about the second in Scripture. It's conspicuous hope for our lives. And when you feel like you have lost whatever was most incredible to you, the Lord has conspicuous hope for you this morning. We don't get a choice except to move forward. I choose to believe in the good God who provides conspicuous hope for my life. And we weren't looking for something better, but we're here now. We got nowhere else to go, y'all. Can't we believe in a God that's so good that he wants better for our lives? A God that's so good that he already gave us Revelation 21, 1 through 4. He said, look, I know the tears that you've cried in Psalms. It says that he's put every single one of your tears in a bottle. He, is, he has counted all of your scars, and he's counted all of the stars, and he's given names to all of them. Why? Because the God of all creation has a personality. The God of all creation has emotions, and your pain is his pain. He doesn't want you to die a miserable servant. That's not the God that I serve. And I think the last one that we have here is the first birth versus the second birth. Jesus says, look, if you want to be with him, your physical birth isn't enough. But you have to be reborn of the spirit. And this is critical because while I would say probably most of the people in this room, probably most of the people online, you probably have already experienced salvation with the Lord. You've already experienced that second birth where you chose 
to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and now you partner with him every single day of your life. But if you don't have that, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet, unfortunately, you don't have that yet. You don't have the conspicuous hope yet. And I just, look, I, I, I know following the Lord how hard it is on this earth. I can't imagine what it's got to be like without him. How much harder has it got to be without him? So what I want to do is I want to pray for whoever, whomever needs this. Whoever has not accepted Jesus yet as your Lord and Savior. If you're online, if you haven't accepted uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. So we're going to pray for whomever that is, and then I'm going to pray for all of y'all, and we'll be done. Let's pray. If that's you, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord yet, I want you to pray with me. Repeat after me. God, I've experienced a lot. I know that I've done a lot of wrong in my life. I know that I need a supernatural God in my life. One that can save me from my sins and Jesus... You are that one. Please save me from my sins right now. Come to live in my heart and guide me every day of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive you as my Savior. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I'd like to pray for everybody else. Let's go ahead and close our eyes. And, mm. Jesus, we need your hope. Lord God, we respect your authority here on this earth, God. We respect that we are servants of yours, God. But we are not just servants, God, but you call us sons and daughters, and you are the best father that we could have ever asked for. Lord, and you see our pain, God. You see it here on this earth. And God, you redeem second chapters for us more than what we could have ever imagined. And Lord, I pray for this room of people. I pray for the people online right now in Jesus' name. God, whatever we've lost, in Jesus' name, number one, we thank you, God, for the blessing that that was in our lives. Number one, we thank you for that blessing, God. Number two, Lord, we know that we have to move forward with you, God. And so, Lord, as the good father that you are, as the miracle-working father that you are, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for a release of blessing over these people. I pray in Jesus' name for a release of power over these people, a release of miracles over these people, Lord, a release of a second chapter, God, that is redeemed, God. 
Help us to move well on this planet for you, God. You are our king. You are our Lord. You are our savior. You are our master, God. And we will do what you call us to do, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for being who you are. We love you, God. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.